0: This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ and his power and love even now as you listen.
1: Well, it's good to be back in a place of good memories. (laughs) And one of the good memories is that I was a a lot younger when I was here (laughs) as your pastor. Uh, I tell you, those of you that don't know me, it's good to see you, good to see new faces today, but when we came here, I was uh, 30, and uh, my son was 18 months old, and our daughter Melody was born while we were here. So that speaks to our young age, but we had great times here, we had great ministry here. And as I was telling some of the folks a little bit ago, we not only had good ministry, we had fun. It was a good time of fellowship and a good time of doing things for the Lord. And we really, in Suffolk, were spoiled. But we had special times here with young couples and uh, have long life, life friends here. And uh, it's good to be back special years, good to be back. Thank you, I wanna to say to you personally, thank you for your gracious provision of a sabbatical for Thurman. You realize that in the Old Testament, the sabbatical principle is very, very important. You have, for instance, the farmer, who every seven years on sabbatical, he would let the land lie fallow, and you look at that and say, isn't that unproductive? Isn't that sort of a time of idleness? No, it was really an insurance into the production of the land that it would be more fertile. And so I want to I I applaud you for giving him a sabbatical. For me, when I had my sabbaticals in my last ministry, I, I was refreshed, had time to be with the Lord, had time to do uh, sermon planning, uh, had a time of enrichment with my own wife, It was just a good time and when I got back, I had a new appreciation for my church. I think it is a great way to enhance the relationship between the pastor and the church is for that pastor to periodically get the sabbatical. So I hope when Thurman comes back that he's renewed in spirit and uh, ready to go. That's what it's all about. Well, let's turn to the scripture. This has always been one of my favorite uh, rooms to preach in. And so today, let's open the scripture and I wanna, I wanna speak to you on Psalm 100. And if you, if you wanna find it in your Bible, just open it almost slap dab to the middle. If you've got one that's electronic, turn it on. But let's deal with Psalm 100 uh, in the scripture. You know, when it seems to me that all news is bad news, And honestly, that's the way it seems today for me. And there's little reason for thanksgiving and rejoicing. It's always good to go to the book of Psalms so that you can get your perspective adjusted. And that's what I want us to do today. Let's go to the book of Psalms and let's sort of have an adjustment to our perspective. And Psalm 100 can do that. As an aside, before I read it for us, to show you how different our nation is today than when I was in school. When I was in elementary school, in a public school, my teacher had us learn and recite every day Psalm 100. When we began class, we would, we would do the pledge allegiance to the flag, and then after that, we would say by memory Psalm 100. We didn't do it, I'm going to do it out of the, the New International Version today, but we did it out of the King James. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all ye lands. That's the way we started every day of school. Here is the psalm out of the International Version. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We're His people. We're the sheep of His pasture. So enter His gates with thanksgiving, and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name, for the Lord is good, and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. As we come to the word, let's pray together as we begin. Father, today I pray that we will hear the message of this altar uh, clearly. Speak to our hearts in our perhaps discouragement and our bewilderment, whatever it is that we come with today. Remind us of who you are and what you have done for us so that our hearts will be gladdened, And that we will praise and give you thanks. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. There was a man that joined a very unique monastery. What made it unique was that um, you could only speak two words every ten years. So he joined up. He served ten years. And after the first ten years, he was able to say his two words. And he said, hard bed. So he served for another 10 years, and um, the time came for him to say his next two words, and he said, bad food. (laughs) Ten years passed. This is 30 years of service. After 10 more years, he had his two words to say, and he said, I quit. (laughs) And his superior said, I figured as much because you've done nothing but complain ever since you've been here. We laugh with the lack of thanksgiving, the absence of thanksgiving and gratitude with the monk, but it's nothing like today, folks. Our society is like that. We have battled, and in a sense, we're still battling COVID, we're battling inflation, we're battling high gas prices and a hundred other things. We're doing all of that battling, but nothing like what I see today in the battle against ungrateful spirits in our land. Why is that? Why is there an absence of thanksgiving? I've, I've looked at this and I've, and I've prayed about this and I thought, Lord why do we have this absence of thanksgiving? One of the reasons I believe is that we have replaced a sense of debt with a sense of rights. You have people that are not indebted to anyone for any reason for anything. They're owed Everybody is owed. You owe me. And people that are owed are not grateful. They're not thankful. They're always looking for somebody to do something more for them. I deserve more. I deserve better. I at least deserve different. It is an attitude to me that is anchored in arrogance. That attitude. But there is another reason, too, I think, and there is no need for God today. I am not a fan of Bart Simpson. I want you to know that off, off the top before I say something. I am not a fan of Bart Simpson. I do not watch the show. But I did read a quote that he had. And here is the quote. The scene was the, the table at the, at the meal, and somebody asked him if he would say the blessing. The blessing grace, and thus he said, he bowed his head and he said, dear God, we paid for all of this ourselves, so thanks for nothing. He is a cartoon character. He did not say that. It was a line written for him by a writer who believed it would resonate with the audience who would find it funny. There is no need of God. Modern man with no need of God produces modern people with no sense of gratitude. No sense of thanksgiving. Kingdom people, and that's who we are, ought to stand in stark contrast to that. Boy, I tell you, understand, I'm a debtor. You're a debtor. I'm dependent on God, and you're dependent on God. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 4 raised a question among the people and he said, what do you have that you did not receive? Nothing, Lord. I am a debtor to you and I am dependent on you. And people that are dependent and indebted to God should be full of thanksgiving and gratitude. We're graced And we're recipients of the favor of God. And therefore, the psalmist said in Psalm 100 in verse 4, Therefore, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. You know, as I look at the scripture, I, um, I find a number of reasons for thanksgiving. Two of them are here in the psalm. I'm going to give you three, but two of them are here in the Psalm. The first one is this, and you know this, having read the parable, having read the story. The reasons for Thanksgiving. First one is this it's expected. You remember the story in Luke 17 where Jesus encountered 10 lepers? Leprosy was a horrible disease. I was in Bangladesh years ago and I went to a leper colony, let me tell you. That is that is a horrible, horrible disease. Ten lepers. They approach the Lord on the road and they say, Master Jesus, have pity on us. And he did. And he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priest. When you did that, you presented yourself to the priest who would declare you clean so you could re enter society. They were not clean. But Jesus said, Go show yourself to the priests. And as they went in their obedience, they were healed. And the scripture says, only one came back. He stopped where he was doing, and he came back, and he gave thanks to Jesus, falling at his feet. Jesus said, Weren't there ten? Where are the other nine? thanksgiving and praise is expected. We need to understand that. God expects it from us because we're indebted, we're dependent because of all that he has done for us. But now the two that come out of this psalm, it's also commanded. Because when you get to verse four in Psalm 100, it's imperatives one after the other, enter his gates. Enter his courts. Give thanks. Praise his name. Thanksgiving and praise is expected. It is commanded. And it's also appropriate. Look at verse 5. Where it says, for the Lord is good. His love endures forever. And his faithfulness continues. It's going to continue through all generations. I, I want to focus on the last one this morning. The reasons for thanksgiving, it is appropriate, says the psalmist. There are actually two kinds of thanksgiving. It's interesting to me that the first preacher that apparently on record addressed this was Jonathan Edwards in 1746. Amazing, isn't it? But he said there's a thanksgiving that is secondary, it's conditional. You know, it's when the bed isn't hard. It's when the food is good. It's when everything is lining up and everything is hunky-dory Then I can give thanks. Even the meanest man on the street can appreciate the rain on his yard and the sun that makes the grass grow. So he said there is Thanksgiving that is secondary. It's conditional. It's just based on You know, whatever. What happens when everything goes awry? What happens when the bed gets hard and the mattress sags? And the food is terrible. Well, then the thanksgiving vanishes. It goes away. But, and Jonathan Edwards said, there is a thanksgiving that is primary and it's spiritual. It is not conditional. As Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5, he said, give thanks in all things. Watch the preposition. He didn't say give thanks for all things. That's contrived. He said give thanks in all things. How can you do that? Because you anchor it not in what but who. It is anchored in the excellency of the character of God who is good, who is faithful and who is loving. There was, uh, there was a pastor named Roland Allen. He was preaching one Sunday and he was preaching on Thanksgiving and he pr- and, praise. and when he finished his sermon, there was a man that came forward to talk to him. He said, I want to share a story with you. It was a missionary doctor from India. And he said, while I was in India serving as a missionary, I was in an area for some reason. In that area, all of the people began to experience progressive blindness. He said they were born with good eyes and good sight, but then there came a time when they lost their vision and it happened all over, the, all over the group, all over the people. This doctor began to study those eyes and he began to look closely at what he was seeing and he checked those that had the blindness and those that were prior to the blindness and he developed a surgery that would cause the people not to go blind when they got to that particular age. And so the people got confidence in him when they would begin to come and he would perform the surgery and as he performed the surgery, they went away knowing that they would not ultimately fall into blindness. And he said the interesting thing about it was this. He said they never told me thank you. He said they didn't have that word in their dialect. He said what they would say in their dialect was this when they departed I will tell your name. That was their gratitude. That was their thank you. I will tell your name. And that's exactly what Paul is saying here in the scripture when he said you want to be able to give thanks and praise in all things then anchor it in the name of God. Anchor it in who he is. He is good, he is loving, and he is faithful. You anchor it on, in him and you're able to do what Paul said. He's good. You know, there are times when you and I in our living, I know it's true. It's true with me, it's true with you. You get mad at God. You want to run away and you say, you're not treating me fairly. You get upset with what he's doing. When that happens, go to the cross. See the God who gave his son so that you could have salvation in life. He's good. He made us, the psalmist said. We're his sheep. And we're the sheep of his pasture. He's good. He is a God who is absolutely good. He's good in his work. When, when I doubt what he is doing, I flip out something like Ephesians 1 where it says he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He has chosen us in him. He has redeemed us through the blood of Christ. He has made known his will, the mystery of his will through his son, on and on and on. He has sealed us with the Holy Spirit. He is good. He is good in his work. He is good in his purpose working good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Some of you have no idea what January Bible studies are, but years ago in our convention, we would have January Bible studies. And uh, I, I regularly January Bible studies in a number of churches, especially when the book that came up, the book that they selected was the Old Testament. And I remember one church calling me, when, when they would announce the book, they would call, and one church called me, and it was about a year and a half out, and they said, would you come, I think it's gonna be an Old Testament book in a year and a half or so, would you come and teach that book, whatever it is. And I said, okay, and I put it on my calendar. And it was there so that I could uh, follow through that, with that responsibility. As a pastor, in those days, it was very difficult to get back home. You know, you'd see mom and dad on Thanksgiving or Christmas or things like that, but didn't get back home very often. And, uh, but when I came to this year and a half later uh, appointment and responsibility, I realized that I was about 30 miles from home. It had taken me right back to almost to where I grew up. And so I told my mom, I said, I'm gonna be down at so-and-so church. Uh, We're gonna start on Sunday night, and uh, it'll be Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night, we'd finish up. And so we decided that we would have lunch together. I'd go home, and she'd cook uh, lunch for me. I'd love for her to cook lunch for me (laughs) because it was wonderful. I'd tell her what I wanted. So I was able to have lunch with her on Monday and on Tuesday. And it was great fellowship and it was a wonderful time for me to get back and to have uh, uh, time with my parents. That was the last time I saw her alive. She died that following Saturday with a heart attack. And you know, in in the midst of that shock and in the midst of that loss and in the midst of that sadness, I said, Lord, You are so good. That was one of my first thoughts. You are so good. You set this up. I would have never known this was going to happen a year and a half in advance. You set this up. And I want to tell you, I thank you for it. Because I know you did it. He's good in the big things, folks. He's good in the little things as well. His love never ends. Remember what Paul said? He said, you can take height, depth. You can take death, life. You can take angels, demons. You can take present, future. Whatever's connected to any of those things, you will never, ever be separated from the love of God. There is nothing that can separate you from that. He's loving, he's faithful. I can trust him. He's always there and he's gonna keep every promise that he's ever made to us. Years ago I had the privilege of preaching in, in Africa and it was hard, preaching was great. Preaching in the schools, the kids were so receptive. Even, I mean, it's amazing when you drive down an unpaved road in dust and you have headmasters from schools standing at the juncture of roads begging you to come and preach to their students. It was almost culture shock. And I would preach to those kids, all barefoot. They would get them in a big room and it was just hundreds of them and you would preach the gospel. And when I gave the invitation, they would all come forward and I'd send them back. I said, you didn't understand, let's do this again. But they were so eager to know Jesus. And I would preach in the churches at night. But it was tough living. It was tough living. I was there for three weeks. There were no bathroom facilities, there were no lights, I was in a village where they put me in a little shack and I had a, just a structure of a bed so I put my sleeping bag on the top so nothing would get me and uh, when the sun went down and it got dark, it got dark and I didn't have any light and I mean you couldn't see this. The people had nothing, they had absolutely nothing. Do you know what? I didn't hear any of them walking around saying, I just shouldn't have to live like this. I can't believe we have to live in these kind of conditions. And at night, I would go to the churches and preach. And they would drive me over in a truck. And somebody would take a tire tool outside and take the rim of the tire and begin to beat it that would give a message to all of the people in the surrounding area that church was about to start and the kids would start running over the hills and coming, you see them coming from all over the place. People would start walking in and about an hour later we'd be ready for church. And we got ready for church in the midst of a situation where they had nothing, nothing to give thanks for. They had no instruments. The man that led the music would get up on the platform and he would stomp his foot and get a rhythm going. And when he got the rhythm right, they all would stand and sing, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Why? Because they anchored the praise and the thanksgiving in the name of the Lord, the excellency of the name. You can't give thanks in all things unless you do that. So, what's the results of thanksgiving? It's interesting to me, but this is the way the Hebrews do it. They always put the conclusion first. We always put it last. You know what the results of thanksgiving are, is? For those who know the Lord is good and loving and faithful... Thanksgiving is appropriate and what's the result? Look at the first verse. You actually end with the result. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship him with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Man, I tell you what. When you realize you're a debtor, and you're not owed, and you're graced, joy fills the life. Thanksgiving cures the grumbling and the complaining, we celebrate the name. And that's what we've come today to do, celebrate the name. There's there's energy for living victoriously when you anchor your Thanksgiving in the name of God. And people serve with joy. (laughs) They're blessed, so they bless back. Thanksgiving and gratitude complete the cycle of blessing. Oh, I love Psalm 100. And I need it when things, when news is so bad. You need the perspective correction. So folks, today we we have to make a decision. Are we going to walk around and be the people say hard bed, bad food, I quit? Or are we going to say, it doesn't matter what's taking place. The what is not the issue. It's the who. And I know him. I know him. And he's good. And he is loving. And he is faithful. And I'm going to rejoice in that. I'm going to rejoice in that. I'm sheep of his pasture. So we have a choice. Others of you have a choice. There are others that are here that, you know, some of you can say, he made me. That's true, he's the creator. But to this point, you haven't been able to say, I'm his. And I'm the sheep of his pasture. You know him as creator, but you don't know him as father through the Savior Jesus it can all change today. It can change, it can change for those of us who are down in our mouth, <laughs> bad food and hard bed, and it can change for those who want to know him as Savior and Lord. He did create you, but he also wants you to be the sheep of his pasture And he made every provision for that because he is good. He is good. Folks, let's anchor ourselves in him and the excellency of his name. Then we'll be able to rejoice and give thanks. And we can shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth, and worship Him with gladness. Pray with me. Father, You are good. You are loving. And You are faithful. We have no issues with that. And so it's so hard sometimes in life to, to lift ourselves above the what and do what Paul said in Thessalonians that we give thanks in all things because of The who? You. You are the one to whom we anchor ourselves. And in that, there is a completely different power for living and a completely different perspective. May we keep that perspective, which is one of victory and joy. And may in doing that, we be a great testimony and blessing to others. Work in our lives today, I pray. Work in the hearts of every one of us that is, that is here. And Lord, I pray that um, if, if someone is drawn to you today to come and give their heart and life to Christ, this will be the day when they become the sheep of his pasture. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
0: I hope you've been blessed by this message. God has adopted you as His beloved child, His very own son or daughter. Just imagine it. Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth, is now your loving Father, and you are His child. You say, I love Him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you want to spend time with them. We get to know God through His Word, through prayer, and through His people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer and find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia.